The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. Jesus told his disciples this parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a landowner who went out at dawn to hire laborers for his vineyard. After agreeing with them for the usual daily wage, he sent them into his vineyard. Going out about nine o'clock, the landowner saw others standing idle in the marketplace, and he said to them, you too, go into my vineyard, and I will give you what is just. So they went off, and he went out again at noon and around three o'clock and did likewise. Going out about five o'clock, the landowner found others standing around and said to them, why do you stand here idle all day? They answered, because no one has hired us. He said to them, you too, go into my vineyard. When it was evening, the owner of the vineyard said to his foreman, summon the laborers and give them their pay, beginning with the last and ending with the first. When those who had started at about five o'clock came, each received the usual daily wage. So when the first came, they thought they would receive more, but each of them also got the usual wage. And on receiving it, they grumbled against the landowner, saying, These last ones worked only one hour, and you have made them equal to us, who bore the day's burden in the heat. He said to one of them in reply, My friend, I am not cheating you. Did you not agree with me for the usual daily wage? Take what is yours and go. What if I wish to give this last one the same as you? Or am I not free to do as I wish with my own money? Are you envious because I am generous? Thus the last will be first and the first will be last. The Gospel of the Lord. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Well, first of all, thank you as they're exiting the platform there, but to our musicians, let's just show them, wow. Absolutely beautiful music, and just, I, I don't know about you, just really helped me enter into worship tonight. That music has the power of, of doing that. Uh, our theme this year for our entire ministry season, if you don't know this already, is one. And we chose that theme because I think we're all feeling the the fracturing and the brokenness and the division that's, that's all around us. And then you put COVID on top of that and how isolated we are feeling from one another. We, we need the one who makes us one, the one who heals us, uh, who saves us, who redeems us. And so, therefore, Jesus has this one mission. And he invites us to join him on this one mission. Now, we hear the word mission, and that might make some of us go, put on the brakes. Wait, well, are we, mission, are you talking about like evangelism? I mean, are you saying like, you know, sharing our faith and talking to people about religion? Mm-hmm. I don't know about that. Well, before some of us who feel that way, maybe start breaking out in hives and we start making our excuses about, you know, I'm, I don't know enough and I'm not prepared enough and, and you know, I'm not good enough and I'm not outgoing enough and, 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 you know, I don't like rejection and, you know, we're not really supposed to talk about religion. We might offend somebody. Just, let's just all take a deep breath. 
Because if you have had the chance to start reading the book that we're going to be studying together uh, through this fall, uh, one of my favorite lines, maybe you've come across it already, is this. So we can put it up there. It says, Jesus does not give me a mission to do for him. Instead, Jesus is on a mission, and he invites me to come with him. See, now that starts to take the pressure off, doesn't it? That frees us. I'm going to compare it to playing the game of tag. We all know how tag works, right? Somebody is it, right? And you don't want to be it, so you run away from whoever is it, because if they tag you, then you're it, and then you got to try to tag somebody else so that they're it. And nobody wants to be it, because if you're it, that means you are it. You're the only one. You're alone. It's all up to you. So long before Tice got here back in the day, I used to lead our youth group way back in the day, and we used to play a different version called blob tag. Anybody ever heard of blob tag? Only a couple of us. Okay, so the way blob tag works is you start with somebody who's it, but when they tag somebody else, then you join hands and go around and tag others until you tag more and more and more, and next thing you know, you are one great big blob running around the gymnasium tagging everybody. See, that's more of how Jesus does it. He started as it. He started the mission, and now he tags us, and we join him, and we join in on the blob, (laughs) and we're going around doing his work, doing his mission, doing what he's called us to do. And he's in it with us the whole time. He He never leaves us. Or to now put it in probably a much better metaphor, a biblical metaphor, the one he uses and we hear in our gospel reading is that he invites us to go work in his vineyard. The vineyard is a biblical image of God's work, God's field. And what's God's work? He harvests fruit. What's the fruit? (laughs) People. Jesus invites us to go and harvest this fruit, to join him on this mission. He invites you no matter how long you've known him, if, if you've followed him all of your life or maybe just recently begun to, to follow him, it, the parable says from the very earliest in the morning to the very end of the day, he is always on the lookout inviting workers to join him and come and be a part of this work, of this, this mission. He never gets to the point where he says, oh, I've got enough people, I don't need anybody else, we're good. He wants you He wants you to join him in this work. After all, what else are you doing, right? Standing around all day doing nothing, being idle, right? You're saying, well, no, wait, I'm I'm busy. I got a lot of things going on. I, I don't doubt that you're busy. We're probably all really busy, but we might still be idle. See, the Greek word there is something more like ineffective, Useless, lazy, purposeless. Think of all the big questions that we ask about ourselves, especially when we're young and we're trying to discover who we are. But even as we get older, we still ask these questions, right? Like, wait, what's my significance? What's my importance? Am I making an impact? Do I make a difference in this world? You will not find your purpose until you join Jesus on his mission. And we can't say, oh yeah, no, no, I, got, I, I want to follow Jesus. Sure, I follow Jesus. I love Jesus. I, I, that mission thing, though, I just don't want to do that work. No, uh, it's not for me. 
No, no, no. See, where's Jesus going? He's going on his mission. So if we're going to follow Jesus, then we're going on his mission with him. Now, by the way, this doesn't mean that you have to change everything in your life and do something different than what you're doing right now, although sometimes that happens on occasion. No, but more than likely what it really means is that everything you're doing in your life, the way you live your life, you do it now differently. That everything you, you are, everything that's about you, everything that you do throughout your day, it all now becomes a part of his mission. It all becomes a part of his work. That's what we are going to discover together on this journey this fall. So right prior to this reading tonight, Peter says to Jesus, we've left everything to follow you. What do we get? <laughs> in other words, what's in it for me? Surprisingly, Jesus says, we will be rewarded. But then he turns and he tells this parable, which I think has a lot to do with motivations. So a landowner goes out first thing in the morning and hires workers and agrees with them for the usual daily wage. All right, so it was in the Greek, it's the denarius. It's one denarius is the daily wage. And it was fair and it was, it was generous. But then he keeps going back and he keeps inviting more people to come and to join him and to, to do more work. And all he says to them is, I will pay you what's fair. In other words, trust me. And they do. They're happy to have work. They're happy to have purpose. They don't want to be idle. And he does this down to the very last hour of the day. So then it comes time to pay everybody. And he decides to pay first those that he hired last, the ones that had only worked for that last hour of the day. And he decides to give them an entire day's wage. He gives them a whole denarius. How generous! <laughs> Not fair, say the others who say, we worked all day and we still got paid the same thing. That's not fair. It's not fair. Not in the working world, right? I mean, <laughs> would you work longer and harder for the same pay as the guy worked only an hour? Of course not. Who would do that? But this isn't the working world. This is a parable about the kingdom of heaven, and the kingdom has an entirely different set of values, and therefore it has an entirely different set of motivations. There's something else going on here. And if we listen carefully to the grumbling of those who were hired first but then paid the same thing, we're going to find three motivation killers. Here's the first one. The first one is when we make comparisons rather than see companions. If you have kids like I do, you have heard this a thousand times over. She didn't have to do as much as I had to do. I had to do a lot more than her. It's not fair. Brother. Well, they did, they did work longer hours. It's true. But think about it this way. Again, the values of the kingdom. Think about it this way. They were able to do more together with those who, yeah, they didn't work as, longer, as long, but, but the hours that they did work, even those who only came for that last hour, they were able to do more together than they would have done just all by themselves that day. They were able to get more work done which means more fruit for the master. Why didn't they see them as companions? Here's the second one, second motivational killer, to see the work as a burden rather than as a privilege. We bore the burden of the work in the scorching heat. 
It is 19 years to retirement, but hey, who's counting? Oh, I can't wait. Oh, geez. No, 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 no. That's not how it works. We're never done working in this vineyard until we're called home to heaven, even if we are retired, even when we get to that point. And yet the work, the work is hard. There's no denying that. But if we see it then as a burden, I have to do this, well, then it's slavery. Instead of I get to do this, now it's privilege. Now it's privilege. I get to do this. I get to. You get to work in the vineyard harvesting fruit. We get to participate in the most exhilarating and most important work of all, the redemption of this broken, fractured, struggling world of ours. We get to participate in God's work doing that. What? A privilege. And if we start to see it that way, then you remember the old the old Peace Corps saying, you know, it's the toughest job you'll ever love. Here's the last one. When you see the relationship with the master as a transaction rather than a trust, that's a motivational killer. When you think God owes you something, you know, like your relationship with God is like a contract, right? I do this for you, God, and you do this for me. You know, I'm, I'm entitled to this. That's what those workers at the very end thought, you know, or the ones who were hired first. They thought, I was entitled to this. I did this work. You owe me this. No. God owes us nothing. But God is generous. God is generous. He, he listen, he didn't owe them anything. He could have, on one hand, I guess he could have enslaved them and just forced them to do that. But the real point is here, you know what? He gave them a job. <laughs> they didn't have a job. He gave them a job. And he paid them fairly and generously. See, the rest of the workers understood that. They didn't see it as a transaction. They trusted him. Do we trust him? I mean, after all, friends... He's, he's already paid everything. He already paid out for the redemption of the whole world, for my redemption, for your redemption, long before we ever started working for him. Joining Jesus on this mission, what's our motivations? What, 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 what really drives us? It can't be what's in it for me. We know that. So what is the reward? There are so many, right? There are so many. I mean, no doubt, it's the companions that you get to do the work with, with each other. It's the fact that we are, it's our privilege. And that we can trust Him to be generous and to provide for us. But ultimately, the reward is the mission itself. That we get to help God redeem people. To bring them the hope and the healing that this world desperately needs. Ultimately, the reward, the reward is the master himself. Because we love him, because we're so grateful. Huh. Sound kind of familiar? Love God, love your neighbor, the two great commandments. That's the motivation.
You know the old saying, love what you do and you'll never work a day of your life? If you love God and you love those who he loves, joining Jesus on his mission will be the most rewarding thing you ever do.